0: good to see you out this morning Um, I was thinking this past week that God's kids don't laugh enough God's kids referring to you and I so I don't know if you've laughed much this week but uh, maybe some of these will help you I thought I'd share a couple this morning nothing makes me feel so old as having to scroll down to find my year of birth (laughs) you got that one? Here's another one. Just, just once, I'd like to read a medication label that says, "Warning, may cause permanent wrinkle loss, and weight loss, and increase your energy." I'm looking for that pill. Yeah. The sad part about getting old is you stay young on the inside, but nobody can tell it on the outside. <laughs> Thought that was pretty good. And one more: Don't be afraid of growing older. You'll still do stupid things just slower (laughs) well we can relate to those can't we and I'll, I'll I'll end with this one you know peanuts the comic strip I love that one it says the smile on my face doesn't mean everything is perfect in my life it means I appreciate what I have and I have been blessed with all those things I choose to be happy and that reminds me this morning once again that happiness when it's nothing else is is simply a choice. Um, what a great thought! Last time I spoke several months ago, I gave you a, I gave you ProphecyNewsWatch.com. and um, I want to reiterate that this morning. If you want to get a great news source. It's prophecynews.com. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15 says, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Ephesians 5, 15. And that's simply reminding us that as Christians, we need to know what's going on in the world around us. And sometimes when we watch or listen to the news, we get so discouraged, don't we? And we don't really like to do that even, watch the news and so forth, but we need to do that and that prophecy watch news.com will help you get some news that you don't normally get and I'd like to share a few things from them this week before I get into the message if you would permit me to do so it said uh, record heat waves massive fire nados, and we're are uh, familiar with that that's right here at home where where, where we live um, earthquakes it says something truly dynamic appears to be happening. And it isn't just because the amount of carbon dioxide in the air suddenly reached some tipping point. I hope you'll not fall for that one. Here at home, this may turn out to be the worst year of wildfires that we've ever seen. Experts are telling us they've seen these fire tornadoes and they've never seen them as big as what they've seen this year right here. At the same time, in Phoenix, they're having all kinds of dust storms. And in Virginia, where I left to come here almost a year ago this month, um, they're getting all kinds of floods. That's just in the United States. And then Indonesia, 7.0 earthquake this year. Surely there are fundamental changes that are happening to our planet, and it's just the beginning. You say, why do you say that? Because the book of Revelation describes events yet to come that will affect large portions of our planet. And we should be prepared as Christians for those days to come. And we should be prepared because the Bible says, be ready always to give an account for the hope that is in with, within you. And we need to know and be able to share with people, this is what the scripture says, and this is how we can get through these tough times. We're experiencing those tough times, as already been mentioned this morning. And we need to continue to pray for those that have lost loved ones, that have lost all of everything that they've had. And some of you have maybe that are here today, that's you, or you know someone that has. Um, And we want to ask God, why? Sometimes we ask the wrong questions. We serve a sovereign God and there's going to be things that happen in our life that we just don't understand. But we continue to trust him because he doesn't make mistakes, amen? That he has, his love is always there and he's always concerned about us. And so I'm going to encourage you to trust him during these times, times of rebuilding, and trust him to minister through you to people that have and are going through much chaos and devastation at this time. You know, I forgot to ask somebody how long I get this morning. Is it 1 o'clock? Like, no, truly. Yeah. Jim, what, what time am I supposed to quit? I've forgotten. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> You're a big help. Just quit when I get done? No. I don't. Okay, here we go. Ephesians chapter 4. If you'll turn with me. And verse 31, this morning I'm going to speak to you about the anger being the enemy of your heart. And while you're turning, I don't know if you're in the habit or not. But when you come on Sunday morning or whenever you come to worship, if you could just stop somewhere, maybe as you... are seated maybe as you come through the back doors. maybe as you walk up the steps but sometime before the message and get in the I guess for lack of a better word habit of asking the Lord to speak to your heart because if you don't the chances of you gaining anything or maybe just a little bit are pretty slim I'm very well convinced this morning that you could have the best speaker in the whole world today. I know that you don't. Or you could have the worst speaker in the whole world today. And if you have not come eager to receive, you will receive little or nothing. But if you pray and really mean that prayer, Father, speak to my heart today, don't you think that he's willing to do that? So before we go on this morning, would you do that? Father, speak to my heart today. Enemy, uh, anger, the enemy of your heart. Unleashed with unbridled intensity, anger leaves a trail of destruction. Behind all of the huffing and puffing, the ranting and raving is the most basic human experience I just am not getting my way. Now stop and think about that this morning. The angry person approaches life and love and relationships looking to be paid back. I don't know who's going to pay me, but somebody's going to pay. Someone owes me. They're often indiscriminate about who is going to pay them. The remedy for anger... And that's what we're going to spend most of our time on today. The the remedy for anger is forgiveness. Someone has said guilty people need to get into the habit of confessing, while angry people need to develop the habit of forgiving. Is that easy? No. At least not all of the time. And for some people, they have a harder time forgiving than others. But I think all of us, to a degree, have trouble with forgiving when we need to. There's much confusion over what it means to forgive. And I think we can boil down to three different groups of people those that believe they ought to forgive, but they're not willing to. That's the first group. Are you in that group? Second group, those that feel that they would be letting the offender off the hook, so they're not going to forgive. And then there's a third group of people, those that go through the motions of forgiveness, but the feelings keep coming back, so they're really wondering if they have forgiven or not. So I want to try to answer some questions. You have a study sheet there in your uh, folder this morning. Who do I forgive? When do I forgive? How do I forgive? How often do I forgive? What about the repeat offender? And why should I forgive? And Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31 holds a key. Look at it. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, fighting, slander, and every form of malice. Wow, what a list. Not easy to do, especially when you add the word that I left out. Did you catch the word I left out? All. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, all slander, and every form of malice. Here in God's Word, you and I, as His kids, are commanded, it's not a suggestion. We are commanded to get rid of anger. So we must ask the question, how do I get rid of an emotion? And the, the, the term uh, um, get rid of here simply means to remove or to separate yourself from. Have you ever been walking along and ran into a uh, spider web? Did you just casually try to get rid of that spider web? No, I mean, we go into all kinds of antics and gyration just to get rid of it. I think the reason why is we think maybe the spider might still be there. I don't know. But we do that. That's the idea here of get rid of. Malice is the general ill will towards another person. The general ill will towards another And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, whatever, if we were going to put it into a nutshell, whatever negative emotion you are harboring, get rid of it. Now, please note that it's not something that God does for us. We're not just continually pray, God, take this ill feeling for so-and-so that I have away from me. God doesn't do what he's commanded us to do. He says, you get rid of it. You say, Grant, come on. That was written over 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul that had no idea of what was going on in my life in the 21st century. Well, can I remind you that Paul was not on some sandy, sunny beach in a hammock on his laptop when he penned these words? Where was he? Thank you. <laughs> He's in prison, Right. He's been there for almost a year, rested unjustly, and in less than ideal circumstances, Paul instructs you and I in the 21st century to rid ourselves of any trace of bitterness and anger. Is that really possible? Paul thought so. A matter of fact, he doesn't give us an out nor does he point to an extreme situation and says, that's exempt. So the first thing that we see about forgiveness this morning is there is no excuse for not forgiving. And I must determine whether or not I will be obedient to God and do as he instructs or I will not. I don't have to wait, please understand, For the feelings to come before I forgive someone no I simply am obedient and do what he says forgive the longer I wait to forgive someone the harder it's going to come so that's why he says forgive and there's no excuse for not doing so I know that's tough so this morning next question What if there is a way to rid ourselves of being angry? Would you be interested? Do you know any angry people? Chances are that at some time, some point in their life, they chose not to forgive someone of an offense and they are holding on to that. And that always breeds bitterness in our lives. The thinking today is that anger is simply a response to someone or a situation. I mean, it's not my fault that my boss is incompetent. It's not my fault that my husband's brain dead. Ooh, that was tough. Or, or whatever. It's just not my fault. How can I rid myself of my anger when it is a justified response to stuff that I have no control over. Careful. You've just described a victim. And victims are powerless. They have no control over their lives. Victims are at the mercies of others. Victims can only react Feelings of victimization fuel our justification and excuses. A victim will always have an excuse. Have you noticed? After all, what should we expect from someone who has suffered so? So pain and hurt create an insatiable wall of excuses and rationalizations. And in time I come to believe the lie. What lie is that? that it's okay for me to behave the way I do. I just don't have a choice. You do have a choice. The victim is under no obligation to change. There is no incentive. It's easier to remain the same and what? Make excuses. Victims aren't proactive about change at all. Instead, they want the one that hurt them to pay. That's their primary goal in life. This opens the door of of their heart to bitterness. And believing that they cannot get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, fighting, and slander, and every form of malice, I mean, what did Paul know that we don't know here? Look at the next verse, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate, to one another, let's say the next word together, would you? Forgiving each other. I think if there's a word that could sum up life more than any other word, it's choice. We've all made some good choices and we like to relish in those, we've all made some bad choices as well my wife and i were married for 32 years before i lost her to cancer and in the first year of our marriage i had a 1970 chevelle forest green chrome reverse sweet the gas crunch came along And we decided that we needed to get something that was a little bit more economical. So we went to the dealership. And in long story short, I ended up buying a Vega. <laughs> yeah, I'm being really open with you today, aren't I? You, you remember, the, they, they're the ones that had the aluminum blocks and you pull into the gas station and say, uh, fill up with gas and check the oil. No, fill it up with oil and check the gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Choices. You have a choice when it comes to forgiving or not. You either will or you won't. You can choose bitterness and brawling, that leads to bondage and destruction, finally. Or you can choose compassion and kindness. And that that leads to a, a word I love, freedom. And another word, victory. You see, forgiveness is the means by which we do away with all bitterness, rage, and anger. Forgiveness enables us to be kind and compassionate. Look at that verse again. Be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving one another. Now notice how, what he says here, just as Christ, for God's sake, forgave you. For a long time, and I've studied this forgiveness for years, I've often wondered, is forgiveness a decision that I make or is it a process or is it a decision and then it becomes a process here's what I've concluded from this verse alone God forgave you and I completely and immediately am I right and now he's saying to you and I forgive completely and immediately. Because if you don't, you are going to suffer greatly. You will become a bitter person. And finally, it will possibly destroy you. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Paul is calling us to a standard of behavior that the world thinks is unrealistic, isn't he? And maybe some of you are thinking, I agree, it sounds pretty unrealistic to me. Turn with me now, if you would, to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to be looking at verses 21 through 35. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. The next thing we'll be looking at, how often do we forgive someone? Verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now seven is a, uh, an important number in the Bible. It's a, the, uh, the number of completion. And here, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, not seven times. Come on, Peter. 70 times seven. 490, right? So 495, 6, 7, 8, 9. And then I'm going to let you have it. No, that's not the idea here at all. You know what it is. Keep on forgiving. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who had owed him much. Now, if you want to write in your Bible, you write in there more than he could make in a lifetime. That's what he owed this man But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything that he had so that the payment might be made full. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him and he said, please have mercy on me. I will pay you. And the master was moved, verse 37, with compassion and released him and forgave him. Of his dead, Jesus redefines forgiveness here and answers the question: How often? When is it right not to forgive? The answer is never. Keep on forgiving. Easy? No, especially if it is a repeat offender. We keep on forgiving that person. Why? For our own sake. Not for theirs. Peter, like many of us, assumed that forgiveness is for the benefit of the offender. No, it is not. Forgiveness defined is the decision to cancel a debt. Are you willing to do that? I can do that whether I feel like it or not by choosing simply to be obedient to God's word who says, forgive. This man owed more than he could, be, than he could pay back in a lifetime and the master had pity on him. His master gave up the right to be paid back. That is the essence of forgiveness. The decision to cancel a debt. Let's pick up the story there, verse 28. Then the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him much less. And he laid hands on him. And took him by the throat. <laughs> get the, you get the picture? Say, buddy, you pay me, you pay me now. Verse 29, his fellow servant did the exact same thing that he had done. He fell down and he begged him, have mercy on me and patience. I'll pay you back. Verse 30, and he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So... When his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master. This is the one that forgave the first guy. Verse 32, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You know what? You are a wicked servant. I forgave you of all of your debt because you asked me, you begged me. You should have, should you not have done the same? Verse 33, and his master was very angry and delivered him to the tormentors until he should be paid back what was due him. Now, it's always ironic to me in this, it's in this account. You know, if somebody comes to me and they owe me and I have them thrown in jail, how am I ever going to get my money back? But anyhow, verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you, from his heart does not forgive another. Unforgiveness, he was thrown into prison. That's where we get unforgiveness always leads to bondage. The story's not done there. Jesus adds the zinger there in verse 35. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive that person. That person that's coming to your mind right now. That person that hurt you, embarrassed you. The person that abandoned you, rejected you those that owe you, and you don't have to think long because you see their face in your mind. What does God say to us this morning? Cancel their debt or you will greatly pay. That's a stern warning for those that choose not to forgive. And he ends with, forgive every time. And so as we are to keep short accounts with God, we need to keep short accounts with other people. When do I forgive? Immediately. And I must recognize that that person that offended me may not even know it. I shouldn't let those feelings fester i forgive them right then i don't walk up to them saying forgive you for what you did i forgive them in my heart and i go on god i don't feel like forgiving them i don't feel that i should forgive them for what they've done that doesn't matter god says do it and then the feelings can come back in time But in the church of Jesus Christ today, we have people that have ought against another. And we come Sunday after Sunday, and we wonder, why doesn't God work? What's wrong? What's going on? And maybe it's not that we have to forgive them. Maybe it's just that we have ill feelings towards them because of something that was said or done in the past. Listen, if you want to be paid back for wrongs done you, you are going to be the one that pays. Cancel the debt today and be set free. And if you aren't willing to forgive... For your own sake forgive for the sake of those you love the most because your unforgiveness will affect them as well because my bitterness is not going to be self-contained it's going to spread and so will yours you know the decision for God to forgive you cost him his son's life your forgiveness your your decision to forgive others will only cost you your pride and that's why a lot of times we will not forgive it's an issue of pride Let me share some verses with you this morning on forgiveness as we draw this to a close. I don't know if you have them on your study sheet or not because it's been a couple weeks since I've done that and I forgot. But you want, just write the verses down, all right? Um, Matthew chapter six, verse fifteen. If you don't forgive, your father won't forgive you. Matthew eleven twenty five and two seven, forgive so your father will forgive you. Matthew eight twenty one keep on forgiving. 2 Corinthians 7 no. 2 Corinthians 2:7 simply says forgive. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 32, forgive us God for Christ's sake forgave you. We looked at that. Colossians 2:13, forgive and be made alive. I love that one. If you're wondering why you don't feel alive this morning, that the Christian life has kind of become humdrum, and, and you're wondering what's going on, maybe there's someone you need to go to today. Maybe as we end this service, you just need to get up and move around and say, go to that person You say, you know, I, I, I just want to say I love you in the Lord, and if you know that there's something between you and them, I forgive you. Luke 6, 37, forgive and you will be forgiven. You see, here again, my forgiveness from God is conditional on my forgiving others. God says, if you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive you. So when do we forgive? Immediately. And the longer I wait, the harder it becomes. How about the repeat offender? Them too? How? I choose to. I obey the command I may not feel like it but I do it anyhow how often I keep on forgiving how do I know if I really have forgiven we haven't touched on that one today when I think about this situation or the occasion in the past it doesn't affect me like it once did proof that I have forgiven I forgive you and then you bring it up you haven't forgiven and when sh- should I not forgive Never. And then the last one. We've answered it already. Why should I forgive? For my own sake. And those I love the most. Look up here. You're going to choose freedom or bondage. No one can choose for you. But God's ready to set you free today. If you just simply be obedient to him. John.